The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. I'll tell you this, um, for us, there are real needs. And um, as parents, Katie and I, you know, we always figure out that there's a moment where we can have a teaching lesson. And so the biggest thing for us going on right now is my son had a talk with me the other day. He said, Dad, I need to talk to you. And I said, oh, all right, you know, what's going on? And he said, you know, here, sit down. And I was like, okay, is, what's, going, what's going on? And he's like, I need, I need to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay, well, shoot. Dad, when am I going to get a cell phone? <laughs> and he said, I, I, I need a cell phone. And, and, you know, for us as parents, we're always walking through that needs versus wants. I'm like, you don't need a cell phone. A cell phone's not going to make you eat. A cell phone's not going to make you, you want a cell phone. You don't need a, no, Dad, I need it. <laughs> All right, well, well, why do you think you need it? Well, and you know what was coming? All of my other friends that they have a cell phone and and see I, I i want to be cool so you know we started talking about it and i was just i was digging down a little bit on it and i just said son let me tell you something when i got my first cell phone i was in college <laughs> and my mom had this philosophy she was like you can have a cell phone anytime you want when you can pay for it <laughs> And I said, son, you want to go groom dogs? You want to mow lawns? You want to, I'll get you a cell phone tomorrow. You will when you can pay for it. <laughs> Plans are about $100 a month. Oh, oh. You know, and I started thinking about what we need. I, and, and it's funny because he soon realized he wasn't getting any traction with me on the cell phone deal. Like, brother, you know what I'm saying? I rode bikes without helmets. Don't mess with me. You know? You know? And so as I started thinking about what everybody needs, everybody needs love. Everybody needs, I mean, obviously, food, shelter, hope. And for us, I think one of the important needs of life is that Everybody needs forgiveness. You know, everyone needs forgiveness. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about what everybody needs. When you walked into the entrance uh, of our lobby, the first sign that you came to was that everybody needs forgiveness. And as we talk today, I'm going to tell you that it's vital for the maturing of our faith to understand the power of forgiveness. There's a scripture verse that I, I, I want to show you, Mike, Micah 7, 18 and 19. And it says this, Who is like you, God, pardoning iniquity, passing over our transgressions for the, rem the, the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread out our iniquities underfoot and you will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. What did Micah know about God? That sometimes maybe we forget. God was a father and he wanted to, his, he wanted to have his people thrive. His people were in a time where... Huh, the time, those people back in the OT had a little bit of pride. They had a little bit of arrogance. They were rebellious. Man, I'm glad times have changed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, 
But what I find interesting throughout this whole Bible is God's ability to forgive and run toward man and provide a way of escape for what they caused. God has always been the, the, the one that, let me redeem you. Let me send somebody. Let me send a prophet. Let me send a priest. Let me send my son. There was always this onward work. There was always this forward motion of how can I get you to move closer? You know, and as we uh, talk today about everyone needs forgiveness, uh, there was this minister who... Uh, parked his car in a no parking zone and the deal was he was in a large city went around the block about 10 times and uh, he put a note on the windshield that said um, man I've circled I'm going to miss a meeting I've gone over this 10 times I've really really tried to find the right parking space but I'm going to miss my appointment forgive us of our trespasses and he put that on the windshield (laughs) when he returned he found a citation from a police officer that said, I've circled this block for the last 10 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I'm going to lose my job. And then on the note, he said, lead us not into temptation. (laughs) The the deal is this. We we live in a world that doesn't give much grace. I mean, if you think about it, we want perfect people. Now, cognitively, we understand that there are not perfect people. And we don't want to be measured by by being perfect, but we want everybody else to treat us perfect. We demand our spouses, our politicians, our pastors, our teachers, our parents never to fall short. And when they do, we remember it forever. And we are in a society now where if you fall short, you're going to pay. TV shows about revenge, getting even, and making someone pay. We've changed the golden rule to more of something like this. Do to them what they just did to you. And our last thought in being hurt is, watch. Don't meet me. <laughs> I ain't playing. I swear. I'm, 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 oh. uh, and we want to go there. We want to. It is tit for tat in this world. It is, we practice. Come on. We practice arguments. We act like we don't, but we're driving. And this argument hasn't even happened yet, but you are getting prepared because the worst thing is to not be mentally ready when we throw down. I'm going to be ready. You know, and some people don't know how to argue. They don't know. They go straight for the jugular every time. It's like, I'm going to say this. I'm going to talk about your mama. I'm going to kill you. I mean, it's like... You're supposed to talk about my dad. I talk about your mom. And we grow this thing in stages. Some people don't know how to fight. They fight nasty. If you're married, you understand. People fight nasty. Listen, we live in a world where there's not a lot of grace. You know what? I I do want to raise a generation of fighters. People that can be hit with a little bit of adversity and move forward. The people that can move through. Because when you're young, you have these dreams and you have these plans. And you think everything's going to happen on your cal- in your calendar. You know what I'm saying? And once you put it in Google, it's golden. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, this is all going to work out. I have my timeline. I have my budget. 
It's going to be perfect. And then something happens, and maybe we have an unrealistic expectation, or, or maybe someone hurts us, or maybe a, a boss um, listens to uh, someone, and, and it hurts our forward progress. Yeah. And you know what? Here's the thing. Our biggest fight, some of our biggest battles will be with ourselves. You know, and it's important for us to learn how to fight the right battles. Because here's the deal. One of the biggest battles is who you can forgive. Can you forgive yourself? Can you move on? And can you be a forward leaner instead of a backward thinker about your own personal life? And I want to walk through that. Let's, let's look real quick. We're going to spend a majority of our time in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to read this. And it, I know it's going to be super long. And if you go to any churches right now, they read two verses. So, um, um, be, or tell you a story, which I'm going to probably do that too. But I want you to understand this because as we're starting our church and we're, we're kind of digging down into the foundation of who we're going to be. I want to get a hold of some concepts about God, and I want us to get a hold of some concepts about what He thinks. And so let's look at this. Basically, we're going to jump into the scene where God has created man. God has created a perfect place for man, the Garden of Eden. God has created a perfect woman for man. And, and they are there kicking it in the garden, having some fun, doing what God has called them to do. They have very little care in the world. And so God has basically said, you know what, guys, y'all can do anything you want to do. You can build it. You can create it. You can eat any fruit, fruit that you want to eat. But there is one fruit, one tree, this tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch that. Because when you touch it, there's going to be a consequence. And so I mean, if, if you think about it, they were in a place where all of their needs were met. They had responsibility. They had freedom to make whatever choice they wanted to make. They had a commandment. We don't do well with commandments. You know what I'm saying? You better ask me um, like it's my idea. You better give it, you know, present it in a way where if you want to. But I, we, don't do, we don't do good with ultimatums if you do this. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> I mean, but yet in this garden they were deceived. They accepted what was forbidden. They rebelled against God. And you know what? We start to walk through this process, and I want us to see this. In, in Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat from the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate seven. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. I want you to see that part. that They, they tried to cover themselves. That's what the Bible says. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. 
And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. But God called to man and said, where are you? Like God didn't know. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Everybody say afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? I want to walk through this because this is a huge moment. We don't know the time span or how long they were in the garden before this happened. But here's what we do know. That for the first time they began to run away from God. For the first time, the one who gave them life. I mean, we are so far gone from thinking about who created life. We're in a culture where uh, um, evolution and, and, and big bangs and, and all of these thoughts try to help. We, we try to figure out how life really came and what the existence of life is. But you've got to realize that we, we believe the Bible is true. It's authoritative. And, and there is... The, it, it's not like 30% of this is accurate. We believe that God tells the story of how he did what he did. And so you got to think that there was no one before Adam. Adam knew that there was dirt and he was created. And Adam didn't have a mom. Adam didn't have cousins. Ain't no cutties in, in, in the Garden of Eden. You know, it was just Adam. And, and, and so, and then he knew that he had been put asleep and out of his side came woman and, you know, and he knew all of that. And so now when you put this into context, you think, okay, here is, is a man that for the first time runs away from the life giver, runs away from the one who supplies all of his resources, runs away from the one, the very one that brought he and Eve together. There was a break in the relationship between the first couple and God. And it's a major deal. And I want you to look at what they tried to do. They tried to cover their own nakedness. And I see people all the time trying to cover themselves. If I buy a big enough car, if I have a big enough house, if I, if I uh, have good enough children, if my kid's on the A honor roll. And what we do is we try to cover our imperfections. We try to cover our nakedness. And if I make up in this area what I lost in this area, come on somebody, then maybe I'll be okay. Maybe if I'm a big tither, then no one will pay attention to this issue in my life. Maybe if I'm... See, the fact of the matter is, this is a story that happened a long time ago, but, but Adam and Eve could very much be Stephen and Katie. It could be very much be you. But you know what I think the greatest story here is? is not necessarily what Adam and Eve did, but it's what God did. Look right here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. And God, and the Lord God, made clothing from animal skin for Adam and his wife. Now you may read that and you're like, uh, okay, I thought you would say something about the cross or Jesus or something else. 
But at the very beginning, we see God saying, take off what you've done and let me clothe you myself. And it has been that thought from the very beginning all the way to Jesus on the cross that God has been trying to download into our mind. Stop trying to put on your own stuff. And let me clothe you. Let me cover you. Let me cover that imperfection. Let me cover that issue. In fact, all through the Bible, we see times when Israel would run and rebel, but God would bring them back. Even Jesus so implemented and so and we saw he said everything that you see me do i do because the father tells me to do when they wanted to stone the woman caught in adultery jesus flipped the script when jesus starts to talk about the parable of the prodigal son the part that sticks out to me is when, the son, yes, the son rebelled, and yes, the son went out, and yes, the son made some mistakes, but when he was close enough, and on his return, the father saw him and ran to him. Yes. Even, we didn't, Jesus took it past the story, and Peter, Peter was was one of the 12, one of the three. Peter was, was in the Jesus tribe. You understand what I'm saying? Je- Jesus and Peter did life. They, they, they walked and talked and did ministry. But, and Peter was one of the disciples that God, Jesus had asked to come and follow him. Jesus was one of the only disciples that got the download on who Christ really was. And in front of all of the other people that were there, Jesus points out Peter and says, man, what you've received was not given to you by just man. That's like being in the classroom and the teacher calling one person out. Your paper was, you know, that's like the boss walking in and saying, all of you do great, but your work. <laughs> you know, I, that's like, you know, you're, 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 you're eating with couples, right? And your wife starts to talk about something you did really good. And you're looking at... Hey, <laughs> 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 stop, stop. We all do that, right? And all the guys are like... <laughs> Sell out. <laughs> Peter... When Jesus was taken from the Garden of Gethsemane and taken to the cross and about to be crucified, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. I mean, we just started this church, and so some of you I don't have a personal relationship with, so if I saw you at Walmart, you may be like, I don't know that dude. (laughs) But, But if we started doing life together, you know what I'm saying? We started, my kids knew you. You know, we, we knew each other. We knew each other. And then we walked by and someone said, hey, do you know Stephen? I don't know. You, you know the pastor? I, I don't know. It sounded like a cult to me. I don't know. A house. I don't know what, what a house. Who calls a church a house? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. 
This is what Peter did. And, and here's the deal. Jesus dies on the cross. Peter leaves. He's, he's full of shame. He's full of guilt. He says to the disciples, man, I'm going back where it all started. He went back to the boat and he's out there fishing. And Jesus comes to the shoreline and says, have you caught any fish? And, G, and Peter, fully clothed, jumps in the water, recognizes that Jesus swims back to him. And when they start talking... Jesus sits him down and says, Pete, now dead gummit, you were supposed to be my boy. And we're going to have to fix some stuff before we go on. If you read in that text, Jesus never even brings it up. He never brings up his failure. He never brings up the mistake. He never even touches it. Even Judas, another disciple of Jesus, who is the one that sells Jesus out. Judas has this agreement with the guards. And the guards are like, who are we going to take? And, and, and Judas says, the one that I kiss on the cheek, that's Jesus. Take him. For 30 pieces of silver, Judas comes in and Jesus stands in the garden. And what does Jesus say to Judas? If that had been me, I'd have Jackie Chang that dude. <laughs> I would, I, I, my, you know, I don't know how fast my roundhouse would have been. I mean, he may have seen it coming for a while, but I'd have kicked that dude right in the larynx. I don't know. So it would have been on. I mean, we would have been fighting. But Jesus allows him to kiss him on the cheek and says, friend, do what you've come to do. I'd had some words. <laughs> friend would not have been in my sentence. <laughs> come on. I guess what I'm trying to get us to see is the fact that if we're supposed to be children reflecting the image of our father, then maybe we need to dig down deep on this thought of forgiveness. Maybe we're holding too much. And maybe we need to do a little bit more of him and a little bit less of us. You see, here's the thing. I want to cement this thought a little deeper and I want to give you four keys to forgiveness. The first is this. Forgiveness is an attribute of the Father. If you go meet my son, you will start to see attributes in him and you will think, you are just like your dad. <laughs> he laughs really loud. When I laugh I, obnoxiously, it's like, ah! I mean, it's, it's, it's annoying. Okay? He, my son goes 100 miles an hour and then stops. I go 100 miles an hour and stop. I can do everything, I can do everything, I can do everything. And then I'm like, I can do nothing. <laughs> I hit that wall. There are attributes that we see in each other. And here's the deal. God is a forgiver. He holds no grudges. When he forgives, it's always complete. Yeah, Forgive is a big word. I mean, really, it's only a seven-letter word, but it's a gigantic word. Because to really understand forgiveness, you only have to look at the Father because if you try to look at culture, you're never going to come up with forgiveness. See, 
Forgiveness comes from the heart of God. And if we're going to forgive people, we've got to do it the way he did it. The second thing is forgiveness allows you to focus on the future. Way too many people are stuck in the past. Way too many people are stuck on that, 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 that moment, that issue, that event. That, and here's the thing. The reason that Adam and Eve covered themselves is because of the shame and the guilt that they had. If we constantly are looking backwards, you're not moving forwards. And I, tell, I tell my kids all the time, they want to walk forward and look backwards. And I'm like, there's a pole waiting for you, bro. Because you can't go this way and look this way. And, but many of our lives, I see people that are talking about one issue that happened or that failed marriage or whatever, whatever it is. And I'm not telling you it's not huge. I'm not telling you that it wasn't a scar. It wasn't, it wasn't a moment. But here's what I can tell you. We serve a God that was beaten and bruised and wounded. And you know what? Here's the thing. What I find interesting about all of this is that you would have thought that Jesus dying on the cross, taking the lashes, being spit, being disrespected as he carried the cross down the Villa Della Rosa, that, that mile and a half long road, you would have thought that Jesus would have just, all I can tell you is I'm glad I'm not God. Because I would have, whoosh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Next city. You know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm serious. It would have been like Armageddon, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, but here's the thing. Is uh, Jesus went through the cross and kept his scars. Why wouldn't you think it would promote more of his godliness to completely heal him where he didn't have any scars. But he kept them because he knew that he would, make, he would meet people who needed to see where he had come from. And there are a lot of issues that happen in our life. A lot of things, even my own life. I was adopted from a foster home. My parents got divorced. I had very little relationship with my father. There, every time, and I would have enough relationship with my dad where he would act and speak like he wanted to stay involved. But when it came down to money, college, cars, I don't think I can help you with that. Rejection over and over. And I tried to clothe myself, come on somebody, with, with being this or doing this or talking this way. And what I want to tell you is this. Sometimes as Christians we try to pray away our scars, but your scars are the testimony to hurting people that you can be healed. People don't care. I mean, listen, people don't care about a preacher. They don't. Because I'm going to get older and the crowd's going to get younger. And I'm going to be the bald-headed guy. I'm going to be about 30, 40, 50. I'm not going to be in Jesus' name. I'm not but, but, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, but here's what will always relate to people. Your wins. Yeah, 
your victories, what God has done in your life, the power that you have overcome, the fact that this should have killed you, this should have, you should have been bitter, you should have, but God started working in you and he brought you in and you were able to forgive yourself and then you were able to forgive somebody else and all of a sudden there's this glory that's coming from you and people are like, what? What? Galatians 3.27 for, for as many of you were baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. See, God clothed them in the Old Testament through sacrifice. But He clothed them through the New Testament through Jesus. And God is still wanting to clothe us. There's no more bondage. Don't live under bondage. Don't live under guilt. Don't live under shame. Don't, don't live under the heaviness the third thing is this. Forgiveness will improve relationships. Forgiveness will improve relationships. And you know what? I realize that there are some people that have hurt and abused. And they are no longer qualified for you to have an ongoing relationship with them. Because... They don't respect the boundaries of a working relationship. But here's what you need to know about that. Every person that you cut off in your life, it will affect you in every other relationship in your life. Because either you are love focused and love reaches arms out. Or your protection focus arms in. And so the bottom line is you're going to encounter a lot of imperfect people. You're going to tell secrets to your wife and she may say something. Or you're going to tell secrets to your husband in a moment of being raw and real and authentic. And all of a sudden, maybe they don't understand it the way you feel it. And, and they, didn't, they didn't deal with that information the way you thought they should deal with it. And so now there's this resentment. Maybe even with your parents, they've wanted you to be this. And you really feel called to be this or whatever it is. Your, your last job, your last church, what, whatever it is, as long as you live life, there are people who are going to offend you and hurt you and make the wrong call. But what does that have to do with you? Forgiveness improves our relationship. The fact of the matter is, research reveals that forgiveness may we may be one of the more valuable attributes of maintaining a healthy relationship with people. Come on. Are you, are you healthy in here? Or you got your list of people you hate? Come on. And maybe your list ain't that long, but it's still there. People that, and can I tell you this? You're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to take that to the cross. And it's not easy. It's not, it's not easy. There have been moments in my life where people wounded or said something to me. And, and they didn't have all the information. They didn't have all the facts. They just brought it from their perspective. And, and, and it hurt. I got two options. Either I let that sit on me. And I let it steal my vision. I let it move me backwards. I don't no longer move forward. And it hurts other relationships in my life because I don't trust people. 
I have shame in my life. I have guilt. Or I lay it at the feet of Jesus. I lay it at the feet of Jesus. And can I tell you this? There will be some people you'll have to let go. God, his heart is to restore. And some people won't let you restore them. You tried to honor, you tried to love, you tried to... But here's what I'm saying. In your life, there are two major things that have to happen. You have to forgive yourself. And it's not flippant. When David, the king of Israel, started to move through forgiveness, dude, he was crying and sobbing and snot, and it was ugly. It was an ugly cry. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a cute cry. It wasn't like one. It was an ugly cry. It was a nasty cry. For us, your marriage, your life, your finances, decision, decisions last weekend, Let's improve our relationships. At the house, we want to have strong relationships. At the house, we want to see people's future move forward. At the house, we want them to have attributes of the Father. The last is forgiveness is open for all. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you did four days ago, two days ago. I don't care how you acted. You may have blown it. Blown it? (laughs) What you said, how you acted, what you did. You know what I'm saying? Trying to be a Christian, acting like a heathen. You know what I'm saying? You may have just blown it. The great thing is this. This book is full of people who blew it. And you are not the only one. But I am telling you this. You're going to move forward or you're going to move backwards. And you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, and God clothed them. What are you hiding? Come on, men, what are you hiding? Come on, women, what are you hiding? Fathers, mothers, what are you hiding? I believe today everybody needs forgiveness. And, and I can promise you this. You will, you may, in just a second when the worship team comes, Y'all go ahead and come. And um, you may lay it all down here right now in this moment and walk out the door and someone call you or text you and every emotion you just said, God, take, comes right back. The words you said you weren't going to say no more are lying on your tongue. Forgiveness. Don't you want to battle Forgiving people. Because the Bible is very clear. When you forgive people, God forgives you. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I don't need one, one forgiveness. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need one mulligan. I don't need one do-over. I need do-overs. I, I, don't, I don't need one deal. I need lots of deals. I need a 70 times 7. I, I need, I, I, I'm running up on 490 and we need to start again. You understand? I, I need some forgiveness. And that's why we wanted to start our first series. Anybody who walks in this door, they might not look like us. They might not know what we know. They might not be as grounded as they can be. But here's what we know. 
when you walk into this building, you don't find forgiveness. That we don't judge you. We're not critical of you. We're not trying to control you. We want Jesus to free you. Because I tell you what, when you get all the junk and bitterness and shame and all of that out of your life, then you can start to hear the truth and the truth will set you free. So I don't know where you're at today, but here's the deal. Everyone needs forgiveness. And maybe there's someone in your past, someone you defriended on Facebook, (laughs) someone that hurt you and all I can tell you is this forgive them maybe you blew it yourself forgive y'all stand up with me and we're gonna we're gonna allow the Lord just to to work on you and season that in come on I like barbecuing I'm a barbecue guy. And when, the best time when you cook your brisket is when you rub that. Come on, you know what I'm saying? You rub it in and you let it sit. And so I'm not like a little sprinkle guy where he's just like, I'm, gonna, I mean, I'm getting corporal tunnel. You know what I'm saying? I'm rubbing it in. Because, because I want to work that season into the meat. And I know that there's a certain amount of authenticity that you can have with a bunch of people that you don't know. But I do know this, that as I was speaking, some of you, your relationship with God, you're hiding. You're hiding and you need to come on. You need to come back. You, you need to break that sin off your life. You need to, you need to come on. And some of you, it's, you're thinking, well, if it doesn't go back to the way it was, then I'm not interested. But here's what you need to see is that Adam and Eve didn't get back into the garden, but God provided a way for them to speak into their life. And and a lot of times we feel like, well, I'll apologize if it will go back. Sometimes things don't go back the way they are. But it doesn't mean that things can't be better. It doesn't mean that things can't have life. It doesn't mean that things can't grow and that God has great things for us. We're not destined to live woulda, shoulda, coulda. You leave here with hope today. God can forgive me. My anger, my depression, my fear, my lust, anxiety. Come on, God can forgive me. My pride, my anger. Can't even mention that name without all of those emotions coming up. Come on, you're in bondage. And we got to break it off. And the way you break it off is you just say, okay, God, I give it to you. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at The House, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.